Welcome to Throwing Wrenches. This is Eric Stahl. And I'm Daryl Scott. And welcome to the auto podcast that does not comply with California EPA regulations. On this episode of Throwing Wrenches, Honda is gearing for a fight with China. Ford has a roofing problem. Hmm. And Peoria, Illinois, will soon have one more reason to be called Little Chicago. All this and more on this episode of Throwing Wrenches. That's the sweet, sweet tones. I to me. I mean, I think maybe I'm going to practice my drum a little bit more, and you could probably get a new guitar riff for this, couldn't you? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. You Live. play drums? No, no. You know no. someone who does? No, I know somebody on TV. <laughs> or I, I played it on TV. I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. Absolutely. Day. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Again, this is Eric Stahl, and uh, if you want to join in the fun of Throwing Wrenches podcast, please send us an email, info at throwingwrenches.com. I, I mean, I can't even blame anybody but myself, Daryl. For what? For what? There are, there are no reviews on iTunes this week. I checked Now, I checked yesterday. Okay. It's possible four or five of them showed up today, but I doubt it. I doubt it. We were still holding at 35 last I checked. Yeah. I mean, it's a solid 5.0 rating, so you can't beat that. As yeah. a matter of fact, some people have said to me, did you pad that? Because that can't possibly be true. But I think people really do like us. As Sally Field said, my <laughs> golly, you really like you us. You really, really like You know what's funny about that quote, too, is I, I obviously remember the Sally Field, but I remember the Jim Carrey impression of Sally Field. Is that from The Mask or something? I think so. I think it was. Yeah. Something. And I just yeah. remember Jim Carrey just nailing it with that. But no, people do listen. People, we, I'll tell you, we didn't bribe anybody. The only thing we did say is, we give you a sticker. <laughs> give you a sticker. Sometimes you get it. Yeah. But if, if you're waiting on a sticker, just email us. Uh, that does happen every once in a while that uh, Daryl and I uh, don't have our, our wires straight or crossed or whatever it takes. Anyway. Yeah. Short if, circuit. If you don't know my co-host, Daryl Scott, let me tell you a little bit about him. Not only is he great at restoring cars in his garage, he's also great at restoring a network at a mega healthcare organization in the Peoria area. There you go. Yeah. He's a human Swiss Army knife to any survival situation. He's got the skills. He's Daryl Scott. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Oh, there you go. Yes. Well, for those who don't know, my co-host, you remember those old nature shows like Wild America? You used to see them on PBS. You know, the guy with the big beard. Anyway, so the co-host here. What about Marlon Perkins? He didn't have a big beard. See the guy who was, was in he Psycho? Was, he was nightly, nicely coiffed. He had the white hair. and I mean, he was well-shaven. Was he British? No, Marlon Perkins, the, the white-haired guy. I remember. Oh, anyway, was it was, Omaha Wild Kingdom? Yes, yes. Oh, okay, okay. See, so you're older than Mutual me. of Omaha <laughs> is people. Anyway, right. that's right. <laughs> well, folks, uh, my co-host. Well, he could be considered a modern-day Marty Stouffer, or uh, was it Andrew Perkins? No, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, he's like you know he collects untamed Toyotas. He yes. nurses them back to health. He takes some killer photos of them. Let's his kid drive him. And then he sits and releases them back into the wild. He's a catch and release kind of guy, a responsible nature lover, Mr. Eric Stahl. I feel kind of like Babe Winkleman. <laughs> catch and release. Does, any, does anybody at home get these references tonight? <laughs> I apologize if we do. Sure. 
Like, we're so old. So old. No, you're so young, but old. That's crazy. That's the crazy part about it. Pretty Sometimes much. I think you're older than me, but you're 20 years younger. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we'd like to thank the sponsors of the show. First, we got to get this out of the way. The business section of the show, Daryl. Fort's Toyota Pekin, Daryl. They are a fine new and used car dealership in North Pekin, Illinois. They can be found on the web at www.toyota-pekin.com. New arrivals of Toyota's every day. I just said a truckload came in at 5 o'clock tonight as I was leaving work because, spoiler alert, I do work at Fort's Toyota still. Hey, now. Yeah, believe it or not, they've kept me around all these years. No, new inventory is coming all the time. It's great. And uh, even today, we had a 20... Uh, 2009 RAV4 with like 60,000 miles. It was a unicorn. It was beautiful. Hmm. It had like 10 people looking at it today. Sold within a day. I mean, nice. just so much fun to see, you know, the great inventory that comes and goes out of there all the time. So uh, contact your favorite salesperson or contact me and I'll direct you towards my favorite salesperson. We'll get you hooked up on a new car or used car. Toyota-Pekin.com. 15 minutes from anywhere, so they say. That's right. And another sponsor that we frequently say his name a lot. This one's a little different because there's some other things attached to his name. Uh, Mr. Gabe Casey, and that would be Gabe Casey for Tazewell County State's State's Attorney. Attorney, yes. How about them apples, huh? Yeah, the the politician amongst us. That's right. So uh, looking forward to to getting your vote this upcoming uh, Yes, he'll be on the November ballot in Tazewell County on a countywide ballot for State's Attorney, and uh, pretty exciting stuff. Just uh, him and uh, one other candidate, so it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Right, and of course our Patreon supporters, your support over the last few years has really helped us grow and improve what we do here. We couldn't do this program without your support. If you want to hit us up on Patreon, there's a couple different levels there. We truly appreciate every dollar. You know, five bucks a month Mm. will get you access to, what, 50 pre-shows? Yeah, it's basically like twice the programs, (laughs) twice the episodes, and we even talk about goofball stuff. Like, uh, what we, what, what we, well, it's French films again. More films, more yeah. obscure 80s bands yeah. that I'd never it, heard of. Yeah, the new Stallone movie. Talked a little bit about him. Yeah. Talked about tattoos of your dog. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty epic. So, uh, that is the pre-show. I don't have a dog. It wasn't my dog. Yeah, it's all right. Is that your dog? <laughs> Does your dog bite? Does your dog bite? <laughs> <laughs> is that another reference somebody's going to get? I think like one person at home. Yeah, anyway, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Make sure you get on all the socials and, uh, and share it amongst everybody. Uh, Daryl, mm, mm-hmm. I mean, you got the TikTok going on, and then the Instagram uh, at Throwing Wrenches. Yeah, we're at Throwing Wrenches. You can follow yeah. us there. Yeah, not much going on in that department. We did uh, play around in the garage a little bit. Got some cool stuff there. Added. Uh, got my little thread checker. That was my last video. Yeah. My last TikTok, which somebody said genius, genius, which I thought was good. Was it Steve Brown? It might have been. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty. You know, I didn't pay him to say that either. But um, no, Steve's yeah, no, Steve's a classic lurker. But then he, he's, you know, he he hops out and gives you a high five. So he does. He's watching everything all the time. He's also a great follow on uh, on the gram and oh, on dude. TikTok. Yes, absolutely. Cannonball GMC. Absolutely. Check it. So we're we gonna we're we gonna try this segment out here again. I think. I, think. I mean, this is your and Gabe's segment. We're going to bring Gabe back on the show because I'm sure it's yeah. been a couple of weeks since Gabe's been on, and I'm sure he's attempted to buy something. Oh, I know. I think since Garrett's you two Garrett. haven't hung out in the last three weeks, neither of you has bought anything. No, in fact, we're both trying to sell, trying to sell stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to sell parts. He's trying to sell cars. <laughs> Anybody's interested. He in offered me a Volkswagen for sale. Really nice Volkswagen Cabrio. Is it 83? Yeah. 83. You never drove it this year. Yeah, it's like a Mark Mark 1 uh, Golf, or as we know him here, yeah. a Rabbit yeah. or right. Wabbit. So the segment we're talking about, folks, is what have we tried to buy? 
Or thought about buying, I guess. Or should we buy? Yeah. Um, not much. I don't know. You're not perusing too much these days, are you? Uh, who doesn't, though? I mean, really. I mean... That's what Cars of the Week's all about coming up. Yeah. Yeah, but you're probably all over the place. I just look at the old stuff. I filtered my searches, and I found a 1930 Chevrolet Coupe. That <laughs> yeah, is... you have to search that. It doesn't just, like, casually show up. <laughs> it's not, like, in the homepage of Facebook Marketplace. So, no, the thing was shared with me. A friend of mine said, hey, man, this is pretty cheap, and uh, it's pretty original. So it's tempting. It's in Cambridge, Illinois, which is over by Key which is not that far from. Uh, it's a short at. drive from North Peoria. It would make the trailer trip. Yeah, not too, not too much stress. I mean, I mean. Beautiful. It's it's a, it was a originally black top, black fenders with like a, a maroon kind of a magenta body, and I think like cream colored wheels. It would have been a very pretty car, and it would be a fun car to do another patina build. Just get it running, driving, which the the seller claimed it did. Yeah. Um, but it was missing the seat. It had like some minivan bench seat, and it looked terrible. So I'd have to find a seat. Honestly, to have no room there, I couldn't even justify squeezing it into yeah. like a storage unit. Yeah. But it was like five grand and solid, and I don't know. it's probably going to get turned into a hot rod. But yeah, I don't know. I should probably sell. Not only should I not buy stuff, Eric, I probably should start selling stuff. Yes. Before Let me be an example to you, Daryl. I think you should tell me why you should be the example for me. Well, I actually sold a car this week, but I was going to move that into projects or what? maybe maybe because I actually did look at a 1991 MR2 in Memphis because. Because I've been spending so much time. No, I didn't look at it. You didn't go there. Oh no, person? I thought about it. Should oh, I buy? It? No, oh, okay. no, no. I mean, this is yeah, again cars of the week almost. Okay. This is this is like a pseudo cars of the week. It's like a tease car of the week before at the beginning of the show. A prequel. Yeah, but uh, this '91 MR2 showed up in my feed, and since I moved my uh, my search radius to Memphis, oh man, I'm getting some clean southern cars in there. So this '91, yeah, this '91 MR2, yeah, it was a little baked from the sun, mm-hmm. uh, but it was a manual transmission. They only went 3,500 bucks. They had a black bumper and a red car. You know what? I could do Doable? Yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I'm not buying that car. No. But I wanted to. Would you? It, I bought it in my mind, and then I then I sold it. So. Something you could, nice and solid car, something you could buy down there, flip up here for like another two grand. Right, right. Maybe. If it made it. Was it a turbo? I don't know. It doesn't even matter. No, that's true. For that money. <laughs> that money. Those were neat looking cars. They were. The problem is, because that car's mid-engine, if there was a problem with thermostat, if there's a problem with the radiator. <laughs> it's like itching out. Guess what? I will not make it back to Peoria, Illinois in that thing. It would probably, probably be stranded on the side of the road. Just get a AAA membership for like a day <laughs> and then cancel it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to projects. Now, projects where Daryl and I talk about the things we have going on in our garage. Mm-hmm. And I have been uh, away from my garage, but I still got some stuff done. One, the... Uh, the 97 Tacoma made it into the shop because, did I mention on the last show that my son had blown out the belt on it when he was taking out fireworks? No. Yeah, a little mule had a little accident. So Aww. power steering has been puking a little mule since I got it. But you know what? I just thought that was just part of the mystique of the truck. It's the charm. You keep a, a bottle of power steering fluid behind the bench seat, and then whenever you drive it, you fill it up. Yeah. And it leaves nice droplet designs all over the barn floor. And when it rains, it turns into a rainbow. <laughs> it does. So nice. so nice. Well, eventually, one of the side effects of a leaking power steering pump that sits really high on the front of the engine is all the belts get inundated with power steering fluid. And uh, <laughs> oh, no. so uh, it, they did, the belts just wiped out. And funny enough, even though there's a, uh, uh, oh, you, oh my God, the uh, the fan belt is connected on there, but there's a torque, uh, heat torque clutch. What do you call that? Thing? Oh, the uh, clutch fan, a fan clutch. Yeah, but it's it's heat it's heat induced. But anyway, uh, that was not kicking on. So the truck was even starting to overheat a little bit while it didn't have an alternator. Okay. So... I made the decision to drive into work the other day. Yeah. And I got her super hot. But uh, I kept back. I, I'm on 474, 
turning off the truck while I'm doing 70 miles an hour, just, just, to coasting, the- just coasting and <laughs> cooling down. <laughs> Poor little mule. <laughs> Poor little mule. But she made it in, and one of my newest technicians in the shop, a young kid, uh, Connor, he's only like, uh, he's 21. Uh, it was a good, he's been doing maintenance work for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I know nobody else would want this greasy job, so I gave him to it. And you know what? Today, knocked it out, got all new belts. I watched him with all, he had all data up on his screen. He was looking how to, you know, loosen the belts and the order and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So. You got it taken care of? Yeah, kudos to him. I drove it home tonight. I saw it sitting out here when I pulled up, yeah. sitting, sitting nice and proud. Yeah, because my son put the, the mower in its, its parking spot. But uh, It's a work truck, man. Yeah, it's, it's great. I'm it's, loving it. So, uh, so no, that's one thing. And then the big news in the stall household, mm. the Supra is gone. Dun, dun, dun. The thrill is gone. Yeah. You know, that car has a lot of memories. A number one memory is my daughter taking it out without the sunroof fastened down, or the, the Targa fastened down, <laughs> and chasing that down the road. <laughs> As it flew off in front of a FedEx delivery truck behind her. Who promptly uh, ran it over? No, it flew into the ditch, as I recall, and like stuck in the ditch standing up. But, uh, but no, just... no, that was a story somebody else had sent me. She, I think she found it just, it just like, it like scraped down the pavement on its roof. That's a story that everybody is going to be telling in your family for yep. years. Yeah. That will always forever. Yeah. You know, the, the shock, she said, just sitting in the car watching all of a sudden. <laughs> the roof disappears. <laughs> It's like those those airplane disaster movies where everything in the cockpit yeah, gets sucked yeah. up. Whoosh, yeah. Gone. So, and for folks who are just joining us, that was a beautiful Burgundy Mark III. Yeah, it was Mark III. It was a non-turbo, but it was a manual transmission, which is the reason I bought the car. A guy just, dude, I think this car has a hex on it, for one. Really? The guy brought it to me with a bad transmission, and while it was in my shop, he went through a divorce. And then as he went through the divorce, there was a hailstorm that beat the hell out of the car. Oh, no. You know, and then, so what do I do? I buy it. And then I get all kinds of crisis in the meantime. So I think, yeah. I feel bad for the guy who bought the car. So you yeah. think it's like Christine, like it's got a soul and bad yeah, stuff happens? It happened. might be. I mean, I don't, I don't know where this car has been. It's had some troubles. So apparently. <laughs> it's seen some stuff, man. <laughs> it's carrying it with it wherever it goes. So um, I never thought about that, but now I'm kind of freaked out. Yeah. What if this guy, what if you read the news tomorrow and like yeah. some. Yeah, he didn't make it home. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, Just kidding. No, no. I, I need all the good karma I can get. So, uh I put the car up for $12,000. You know, there's one of those things that I have two convertibles. I have a Supra. Yeah. I got, uh, we got a Prius. We got a Tundra. We got a Tacoma. I, I don't need that car. It's fun. It's a manual transmission. It's an inline six. It's it certainly a pretty kick, car. It was. And it kicks the crap out of a four-cylinder Celica with an automatic transmission. On the road, driving, it's a glorious feel when that inline six just, just yeah. rolls over and you give it some gas. Just... Tons of torque. Yes. Yeah. And even, I mean, even if you kill it, it doesn't really kill because an inline six, it says, you know what? Maybe you made a little mistake, but I'm going to stay running for you. I'm going to go ahead and keep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you did a lot too. You, you know, had that trans put in, you you did some some paint correction and some, you know, fixed the hail damage on yep. the car. You put yep. stereo in it. It was a, by the time that thing was rolling into Cars and Coffee or some of the other events. Look, I mean, it had, it was original paint, so nice it wasn't car. perfect, but it, it was a nice car. Presentable inside and out. And it was one of those that people would see and be like, oh, yeah, I remember these. Yeah. And it was cool because it was right at that age where it was new enough to where it was reliable. You didn't have to worry about. Yeah, and it sounded good. You give, you give it a little gas and, you know, that little, just a little rumble from, I mean, just yeah. in bone stock. So someday, you know what? If it's something you really, you know, I, you got to get that, back in your life. To Gabe's point, did it bring a passion? No. It, I, did I ever dream of that car? Never dreamed of those cars. Owned one, enjoyed it. I've been a super owner now in my life, yeah. uh, but if I never own one again, I can deal with that. You know what? It's it this again the Celica, the convertibles, 
for practical purposes, that's probably the way to go. When my wife and I want to do a road trip across the country, yeah, Celica convertible is probably a much better car than a Supra with a target top. Well, and you'll you'll enjoy that. Yeah. You'll you'll spend just about as much time with that. Yeah, so. exactly. So better to have supered it all <laughs> than to never have supered it. Than yeah, <laughs> supered and lost. No, what is the quote? Supered and lost. I'm not Lo- sure. It's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved it all. That's what it is. I was trying to be funny, Eric. It didn't work because yeah. my timing sucks. Yes. Well, you know, I did proclaim '66 was a high, high water mark. This is the <laughs> the <laughs> we're going to bring it back down. <laughs> We didn't want you to get too excited you know, with the quality of the show. Daryl, what have you been up to in the oh, Scott Oh my goodness. The Scott Auto Museum in North Peoria? Oh, not too much. Um, interior work continues on the longest project ever, uh, 55 Cadillac Fleetwood. Uh, back seat is back in. I had to restuff things. And uh, after we got the leather and everything cleaned up, it wound up uh, taking a little bit more time. I just haven't had time to devote to it. So, uh, so what do you stuff? I mean, what was the original stuffing in that? Just wool? So the original, it's nylon seating material. And then underneath that is a layer of foam that's stitched into the nylon. Mm-hmm. And then underneath that is a layer of like cotton batting, almost like quilting. Mm-hmm. And then underneath that is burlap and then the springs. Oh, my God. So the little mice, <clears throat> mices that I hate to pieces. Mouses? That actually, they took a whole bunch of that foam and the cotton out and chewed it up. So it was basically pristine nylon seating surfaces and leather and then burlap that's half chewed and metal springs. So if I didn't do anything, uh, you're, you know... Your keister would have a spring sticking out of it. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't have been good for anybody. So I wound up cleaning everything out, sanitizing, reconditioning the leather, got it looking great. And then I kind of got into like a, I, I kind of got into vapor lock where I'm like, what do I do now? Upholstery shop didn't want it. They're going to want to redo the whole thing. Yeah. I look at that and I'm like, sure, it's a nice shape, but I'm not. So there's no way to, there's not like hog rings. You can like release the the fabric from the the. The springs? I could, but the nylon is actually, it's not brittle, but it's not very forgiving. The leather probably would have taken it just fine. It's that center seating areas that's all this like really neat kind of a waffle weave uh, nylon. And I was just too, I was too concerned that I wouldn't, I would either rip it or it'd be, you know, threadbare when I tried to stretch it back over. So what I wound up doing was attacking everything from behind. And I had a whole ton of leftover jute padding uh, that I used for the floor underneath the carpet. And I wound up actually shredding that, and it kind of had the same consistency as the uh, the cotton batting. Cotton, yeah. And I could have gone to Joanne's or whatever, but I they just have a big, you know, bolt of that fabric that that batting, and without having the seats and the springs and everything all out, I I wouldn't have gotten that in. The jute was thick enough; it still had enough cushion. It was a natural fiber, and I was able to actually take. Uh, it was actually like a little plastic crevice tool that I use for popping trim on. Yeah, sure. And I wound up taking it and stuffing it in because you have to weave in between three layers of springs Mm -hmm. and then get inside underneath the seating area. So I wound up doing that, kind of building the foam back up that way. And took me literally, it took me like a whole weekend afternoon (laughs) to 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 go in and do this with the just the back. Was it still slightly stinky as you're doing it? Um, I'll say it doesn't stink. It's more of like old car smell now, as opposed to. Mouse vomit and <laughs> urine. Yeah, it was bad. So, um, and I actually did let them when I cleaned everything, saddle soaked them and all that, let them sit out in the sun for a good day. So, no, it actually smells decent in there. But, uh, and then I had some leftover foam squares that I used to kind of hold everything in and retain it behind the springs and kind of hog ring that where it needed to go. So, I'm, it, I'm happy with the final product. Mm-hmm. 
I still am going to be very cautious about who sits in the back seat, i.e. I probably will never sit back there because I'm a pretty big dude and I'll probably rip something. Well, if you're sitting in the back, that means somebody else is driving, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe one of my friends or my brother or something was driving. Yeah. At any rate, it's still going to be presentable and I'm happy with it, but it's just, that's one of those things. The difference between what I'm doing here and what I did with my 47 Chevy and uh, even the the Volvo for, for to some extent it's it's a different approach when you're just doing a preservation cleanup mm-hmm. and preserving the original stuff versus a complete restoration. I'm never going to spend, you know, 6 to 9 grand on a leather interior rebuild on a car that I paid, you know, 6 grand for. I'm not going to do it. It's a four-door, it's a cool car. Sure it's worth some money if it's fixed up and nice. Yeah. I just want to get the thing on the road and enjoy it. So I got the front seat left to do. I'll put that in, polished up all the stainless sill plates and it looks Really? It looks really good. I'm looking forward to getting up there and seeing it. Yeah. I, got, I got a little time up here to see it this fall, so maybe I'll get up there to Love the to. auto museum. What is the admission price these days? Um, it's free. Oh, it's wow. free. If you want to bring a beverage, you can bring a beverage. Oh, okay. I can donate a can. Good. I got a fridge. Okay. Um, yeah, and then the other, other thing is I'm still waiting for my generator for it. I dropped that off at uh, a shop that shall not be named. Well, I mean, Quick Start, you can kind of say who they are, right? Yeah. I mean, and nobody's listening at Quick Start. Probably. I mean, if they're listening to the shop at Quick Start, God bless you guys. You do amazing work. You do work. great work. You, you, I mean, you you murdered an awesome job on my uh, starter and I think my alternator on my Kubota years ago. So I, I love you and refer you all the time. But but you know what? There's a device maybe sitting in your garage right now that needs to be worked on. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I, did, I did do a wellness check and like, yep, still got it. Got to order parts. And that was, it'll be done in a week. And that was... Two months ago. Oh, ouch. So just one of those little things. Anyways, uh, hopefully get that back. And then the only other thing, and I'll make this quick, uh, but I'm working on a a 54 Mercury hot rod build that's going to be a raffle car that's going to benefit uh, St. Jude. Awesome. And that's uh, the folks at That Bearded Jerk. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, folks who run a nonprofit who make some really great beef jerky and uh, apparently hot rods now. Uh, I ran into him, uh, Brent, the other day at Walmart. Yeah. And, and I, every time I see him, I'm like, when I saw him the last time, it was right before an SCACA thing. So I, couldn't, I was like, hey, what's up? And then I saw him at Walmart. Hey, it was with Angela. And I was like, sure. You know, but uh, God, talk about a guy who's outgoing. And, you know, he always says hello to me. I didn't see him both times. No, I didn't see him even the first time. So I just, you know, I always feel like, I'm 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 like the bad person in this relationship. No, no, no. You guys, I mean, you're you're both busy. You run and you're on the run all the time. Yeah, uh, he is a great guy. Brent Rassi is his name. Uh, he runs that bearded jerk, and just a phenomenal guy and a and a, and a great a great uh, advocate for some really good causes. So uh, we'll probably share a little bit more about that once it's ready for prime time. But uh, look for that at the Labor Day Car Show making a debut. It's not finished. But it's going to make a debut, and then we'll start selling tickets. Labor Day car show would be Cars and Coffee or in the Delavan thing? Delavan. I'm sorry. Okay. Delavan. The uh, Delavan Optimist Club and That Bearded Jerk put on a uh, a nice charity car show uh, in Delavan, Illinois. Beautiful jaunt down 29. Yeah. Is Chris Shirt still doing that, or is he out? I'm not sure. I mean, Chris, sure. Chris was the one who was handling everything in downtown Delavan, and I think he just got sick of doing it himself. So. Yeah, there might. I think there was a little bit of changing of the guard with that. I know the Optimist Club 100% did that years ago, and I think they just got... Yeah. Overwhelmed. They became unoptimistic. Great show. Well, <laughs> the pessimist. The pessimist club took over. Uh, the realists. No, but what's fun about that is you you actually have a really cool car show. It's a great venue. There's food. There's entertainment. Whatever. It's a the kids do all the voting. It's fantastic. But if that's not enough, the other half of that that park is a tractor pull. Yes. It's it's like sensory overload in this little tiny town. It's yeah. so cool. You get some chigger bites from sitting in the grass and <laughs> right. you get, you bring got earplugs. Yeah, 
No, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, if you're just looking for something to do, check that out. But that's a lot. That's me talking a lot, and I apologize. No, man, that's great. I mean, it's usually me uh, prattling on. Does it, you I said, sold I said something prattle to... in two shows now in a row. You did. Yeah, thank you. You did. You sold something. Does that mean I should sell something? I'm going to say, I'll bet you by the next episode, I have something close to being sold or sold. That's my goal. That's your prediction? Yeah. My goal for the next, through the winter, is to sell at least two more cars, maybe three. Everything must go? Yeah. I. You know what, though? There's a lot of, like, satisfaction. And cars I'm not enjoying anyway. Yeah. And I get some money for them. And you know what? My son's forerunner's cluttering up my driveway now for about three months in one spot. Yeah. Time to go. It's time. It's, yeah, it's get time. it moving. It's get time. it out of here. He's going to college. He's got another car. And... uh he loves that old Forerunner, but you know what? Once it's gone, the me- it's like my old Velari. I love that old '78 Velari. Sure. But if I were to look at that car today, be like, "Oh my God, I drove that thing." Like that was. I, I think you. I think you romanticize the image of your first car, and that's yeah. certainly what he's doing with that Forerunner. Because I don't think he realized what a hunk of junk that thing is. But well, he had fun, and it was a good find, good money, and it got him through high school. Drove the heck out of it, and still yeah. drives great. I don't when I say hunk of junk, it's just not a glorious ride. And he covered it in blue plastic dip. Thanks, Gabe. And uh, blast that off with a pressure washer. Yeah, exactly. And that's what needs to happen next. Or I sell it. <laughs> you got a pressure people, washer? Yeah. Okay. People, oh, yeah. Come on, man. I work at the dealership. We'll get that blast off. Nice. Yeah. People be like, didn't you have a blue forerunner? Nope. I got this uh, Desert Dune one, man. That's all I got. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Different truck. Different truck. It never happened. This one's, this one's a peach. It's a one owner. <laughs> <laughs> Only driven to church. All right, all right. Ready to do this? Ready to get into the news? Is it that time to, right. uh, to do the news? Yes. There it is. It's time for the news. Live, local, late breaking (laughs) international news coming from Honda. Uh, They're considering decoupling their supply chain from China, report says. This comes from Reuters. Honda Motor Company is considering building a separate supply chain that would reduce its dependence on China. The Senkei newspaper, I'm going to guess that's somewhere over in Asia, reported on Wednesday that... in what would be a high-profile move by a major Japanese manufacturer, many Japanese companies have built extensive production hubs in China, but have recently seen output snarled by COVID-19-related lockdowns. There's also deepening worries about the impact of tensions about the United States and China. Now, this is my take on that. Yeah. What's missing from this whole conversation here What's is uh, Russia and Ukraine mudding up everything in production over the last year. Mm. Uh, maybe China and Taiwan, that could muddy up everything too. So would it be would it behoove these Asian automakers maybe make sure they have a little more stuff happening in the United States so we don't get into more problems? Somebody was just talking about Apple and some other tech company. Foxconn? Yeah, no, it was, it was something like that where they were bringing stuff, what do you call it, insourcing. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, moving it, in, what do you call it, not offshore, What's the opposite of offshore? Onshore? Reshoring. Okay. I don't know. Shoring See, up? She offshores by the seashell shore. <laughs> Anyways, they're talking about bringing stuff from China back to the U.S. and like it's a novel idea. No. But it's for this very reason. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of concern. The instability in, in China in particular is really, um, it's, it's a business, uh, it's a threat. Yeah. It's a threat to business. So... I'm happy to see that, and the more jobs we can bring back over here that we've lost slowly, we're never going to see all those jobs come back. No. We're never going to, you know, it's the same with chips, and, and we talked when the whole chips 
debacle uh, with the microchips and stuff. It's like, oh, well, we can, we're going to break ground and start building a new factory to make chips here. And that was big news this week. Intel got some funding from some giant hedge fund company or something. I don't know what it was, but... uh, But that's not going to be overnight. No, $40 billion invest in American chip production. So that's coming. But I, I think... Everybody has seen now what just-in-time inventory is done, especially when we're dealing with crises around the world. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just have a little stockpile every once in a while, just in case there's a little hiccup. You know Maybe. what I'm saying? Maybe. A little war. That'd be nice. Yeah. be nice to kind of protect our investment of the trillions of dollars in business. Exactly. All right. So uh, let's take a look at uh, some, some national news here. And, and here's a nice little inset image of an F-250, an old tried-and-true truck from the Blue Oval work, Boys. Work truck. Actually, yeah, it looks like something like a roofing contractor would have on it. It says, oh, speaking of roofs, roof strength on older Ford trucks called into question by a $1.7 billion jury verdict. A $1.7 billion jury verdict against the Ford Motor Company involving a fatal truck crash called into question the strength of the roof of older model Super Duty pickups sold by the company over a roughly 17-year period. It was basically the same design they made for a long time. Mm -hmm. You all kind of know what they look like. On Friday, a jury in Georgia... Uh, reached a verdict in the case involving a 2014 rollover of a Ford F-250 pickup truck that left two people dead. The Gwinnett County jury determined that punitive damages should be imposed on Ford for selling 5.2 million Super Duty trucks with what the plaintiff's attorneys were saying were dangerously weak roofs, uh, that design, that could crush passengers in a rollover accident, according to James Butler, a lawyer representing plaintiffs in that case. So... As that case moves on, we've seen this uh, occasionally things pop up like this. I remember Ford had a, a huge lawsuit, several lawsuits, involving uh, the Crown Victoria uh, police cars. Oh, didn't they catch had, that. Yeah, it was years ago. It was uh, They were prone to fuel leaks in rear-end collisions. And I guess there were like several big high-profile accidents that uh, either troopers, police officers, LEOs lost their lives uh, because of what they called was a design defect. Is that, you know, is that the case? Possibly. I didn't sit through the uh, the testimony there. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. Any kind of vehicle that is in fleet service or does a lot of hours on job sites or, you know, police cars, things like that, the risks for accidents and fatalities, unfortunately, go up because of just how many miles those things are logging on. Oh, sure, sure. So does that mean they're necessarily inherently more unsafe than any other vehicle? Maybe, maybe not. Well, did you see in the pictures of the actual accident from this Georgia incident? No, no, I did not. Dude, it was crushed. I mean, it was literally flattened to the door sills. Just like pancake. Yes, it was. And and I and I think, I mean, look at an F-250, F-350 or whatever. The cab doesn't change anything on those. I mean, the grill might get a little more aggressive. So no. think of the amount of weight on the frame and the axles and the size of the engine. So much more weight. Oh, and the rear end. I mean, think of the the giant pumpkin and the dual the sure. dually wheels and all that stuff. Sure. So if the top of the cab is essentially the same truck, right? You got a lot of weight now that was on an F two fifty. It's just uh, it's just been probably increased twofold, probably right. Yeah, and you see this a lot with some of the the, the super duties or the you know the bigger the the three quarter or one ton work trucks. Where they'll redesign the half ton. The half ton went with the F one fifty, went aluminum in twenty fourteen, fifteen, something like that. Completely mm. redesigned, okay. And those things, it's a totally different chassis. You're right, but the two fifty stayed the same. Two fifty is like the same one that they built yeah. from like two thousand two to one, like probably last year. Mm-hmm. Chevy uh, and GMC vans, those are essentially still being made. They're going to be made for two or three more model years. That thing came out with that design in like nineteen ninety three. Yeah, they have not changed. So. 
you're talking about a vehicle that somebody is driving to work every day, you know, a construction guy or, you know, an electrician van, something mm-hmm. like that. And they're essentially driving a 25, 30-year-old vehicle in terms of crash tests, in terms of safety, design, engineering. They're not going back and redesigning all the crunch, uh, crumple zones nope, and all nope, that stuff. Nope. So there, there is something to be said for that. Um, it, it's, it's worth noting, if you do drive a vehicle for, for your work day in and day out, you're logging hundreds of miles a week or thousands, depending on what you're doing, it might just benefit you to take a look at and what so you're riding in. what is the remedy on that? They, they can't shore it up. So at that point, it's a buyback, you'd have to think, right? If that truck is deemed unsafe? I don't know. I think they might just pay, pay the money and move on. Uh, I don't remember what wound up happening. I'll give you a $10,000 credit towards a new one. (laughs) Trade-in allowance. And by the way, we're going to take the rest of those old ones that are unsafe. We're shipping Brazil. Right. They don't mind down there. Well, that's the thing. I, not to go in on a rabbit hole. <laughs> well, we're the king of the rabbit holes. Rabbit hole. We need a sound effect. Rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I started following a TikTok account, and it's all. Of course you did. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Terrible. What's it's your all... handle on TikTok? Uh, Ethro and Wrenches. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Um, it's terrible. And I, I realize I've, I'm now that guy at dinner. <laughs> oh, I saw a TikTok the other day. Yeah. You guys follow this guy on TikTok? Dude, you're like 43. You're lame. Stop talking. But it's a fun account, and I can't even remember what it's called, but it's basically over-the-road truckers and loggers and stuff in Mexico. Oh. And it's... It's just psycho, uh, dangerous um, stuff falling off trucks? Yes. The driving is scary. The the video footage is whack. It's insane. But what catches my eye is they're like old 60s Dodge semis Mm -hmm. or like the old GMC cab overs and stuff. Stuff that here probably got like... Not, you can't register because it's yeah. unsafe or falling apart. Yeah. They just go down there and live another 30 years. Yeah. That's what's probably going to happen. Do you remember the F-250 that that plumber sold? He traded it in. Oh, that's right. And then the sticker was still on the side of the vehicle and is out shooting terrorists or something it, like that? Yeah, a cartel. It was a cartel that <clears throat> that bought it and was driving around with like Joe's Plumbing on the mm-hmm. back of this F-250 mm-hmm. with like a 50 cal machine gun on it. So yeah, good point. <laughs> This is so weird. Yeah, that's how we operate. Yeah, this. <laughs> hey, folks, this is why you tune in because you want the geek speak that comes from uh, the all-knowing Daryl Scott. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. All right. All right. Hi. This is definitely not the high watermark show. But no, <laughs> but this is live, local, and late breaking. California today bans all new gas-powered car sales by 2035. <whistles> this article, I'm not sure where it came from, but Pros Subramanian, uh, the senior reporter came out with this one. The state of California has approved a first-of-its-kind rule to ban the sale of all new gas-powered cars in the future. The California Air Resources Board, CARB for short, voted to require automakers only sell new electric cars and certain hybrids in the state by 2035. The action is the strictest ruling banning gas-powered cars in the United States and worldwide, and the EU's proposal to ban the sale of new gas-powered cars is still being hammered out by member countries. I thought that had been knocked down that most European countries in 2030 were like Finland and that was the year. Yeah. So, but I, so maybe, maybe it's not a uh, blanket coverage for countries like France and Spain and stuff like that. The climate crisis is solvable. If we focus on big, bold steps necessary to stem the tide of carbon pollution, says carbon or says California governor, Gavin Newsom on, on Wednesday, Newscom prompted the 20 proposed 30. Oh my God. Let me back up here. Newsom. There you thought, go. Yes, that's the governor who I just spoke of. Proposed the 2035 ban two years ago with an executive order, and he directed CARB and others to determine how to implement the plan. The rule requires that automakers hit milestones along the way, and by 2026, 35% of new cars in the state must be zero-emission vehicles, and that rises to 68% by 2030. 
What do you I, think about that? I, I mean, this isn't this isn't crazy. When I was listening to the news today on the way home, mm-hmm. I think uh, you know California pats itself on the back is what the number ten economy in the world. Yeah, it's yeah. something like that. So yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah. So when California makes a rule like this, they know that they are going to have other other states and other countries that are going to be like, oh, if California does it, we can propose this because we know. This stuff is driven by economics. You know, manufacturers aren't going to do it if it, you know, if it's not uh, going to benefit them. But if they see ten percent, a state like California that buys so many cars, making rules like this, they're going to have to keep that in mind. Nobody doesn't want to sell cars in California, right? Yeah, it's a huge market. Yeah, and when you think of car culture as an as an American. What do you think? You think California, you think road trips, coasts, you right? think Route 66, yeah. coast, you know, PCH trips. Um, it's really one of the and, – and the design, frankly, of most of Southern California, is, it's all freeway. You can't – it's not – Southern California is not walkable like New York or Chicago or Boston. No. It's not like you can walk from suburb to suburb. No. You can, you can sit in uh, long lines of traffic, but, uh, yeah, you certainly can't walk it. So by 2026, they're saying 35% of all cars are going to be sold. But a zero emissions car, that's not a pure EV car. A zero emissions car is a hybrid car. Right. Generally. Right. Is there 30, if you look at at average vehicle sales, and I'm not a huge numbers guy, but what's the average number of zero emission vehicles sold? I don't know. Percentage wise in the U.S. That that would require the uh, mighty throne wrenches data team. And we did not bring them onto the episode. We didn't. I'm just, I'd venture to guess. You see those stickers on cars. Subarus say like, you know. Dude, anybody buys a RAV4 or a Highlander or any of those cars anymore, Mm -hmm. they they don't get the hybrid option. I'm like, man, that doesn't seem even smart anymore. Because it's only like a $2,500 option. It's not that much. And the benefits to, well, especially fuel economy, but yeah. also resale. That's yeah. a huge people Yeah, walk. now, and it, I mean, that's a 10-year option to me. A hybrid car is a 10-year option because you're going to require some hybrid work in 10 years or 200,000 miles. That's my general rule of thought mm-hmm. because in my real-life job, I'm a service manager and I know these things. Oh, you see that. Yeah, but uh, a gasser, I think you can keep for 20 years, you know, and not have to worry about these things. But the lifespan of, of how much money you're going to spend on gasoline, especially when gas gets a $5 gallon, as we saw recently. Right, uh, right. You know, we're going to have these ebbs and flows. We've seen it before. I remember it happened, you know, what, 10 years ago, I think, when during Obama, we saw a $4 gas, didn't we? It spiked. Yeah. And everybody lost their mind. <laughs> and everybody yeah. sold their cars, and they, you know, right. bought, they bought hybrids and stuff like that. But guess what? A couple of years later, it was down to two twenty-five a gallon again, right? Everybody's buying Yukons and yeah. Escalades. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because this is also going to come up. It always does when we talk about California, because California becomes, and rightfully so in some ways, but becomes the punching bag for like all crazy, quote unquote, harebrained environmentalist schemes mm-hmm. by certain members of certain parties, okay? And sure, there's that. But when you do have a, a legitimate ecological issue... I mean, there are several parts of that state that really, up until catalytic converters came out in the 70s and we really started paying attention to emissions, were really not pleasant places to live for most of the year. Mm-hmm. We had people with asthma. We had people with, I mean, serious ecological issues because the smog would sit and hover in parts of the densely populated part of that state. Sure. Now, when you talk about EVs and bringing all this online, then a lot of folks like to throw out, well, that's the same state where they got rolling blackouts like all the time and the infrastructure and all that. Do you think that infrastructure is going to catch up for the EV transition, not only nationwide, but specifically in places like California, which kind of want to set the bar Mm -hmm. and be an example? 
do you think that that's that, that state's infrastructure is able to handle that? I mean, I, I okay, so I'm not Nostradamus here, but look I at mean, your crystal ball. You've yeah, got a magic yeah, yeah, eight yeah, ball. Yes, there. yes. Let me let me rub on my my crystals. <laughs> Ask crystal, again later. My stemware. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I had this conversation the other day. You know, it was about farm tractors. It was the same thing. It was like, oh, the grid can't you know handle John Deere electric tractors. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I'm slapping solar panels on my my barn. Mm-hmm. My neighbors are all slapping solar panels up. I think the state of California, they're probably going to have solar panels on about every roof and every house, probably. you know, coming up here. It's it's going to happen. So uh, I think infrastructure doesn't mean digging ditches and, and putting new wires in the ground. I think infrastructure will actually start at home mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So I'll be interested to see how much that actually changes things. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Yeah. So... I don't know, man. I, I, I think, I think we, we think a lot about how things have always been. And so we try and put that into practice and what we expect in the future. And you can't do that. I mean, there, there are people working on this stuff day and night, you know. The easiest transition would, like you're saying, would be a solar, like some sort of Tesla, uh, like setup at home. Yeah. Where you, you have tr- a solar and a, you know. Or you're banking energy yeah. back the other direction. And maybe it's not even a solar, you know, cell or not a, a bank cell in your house. Maybe you're throwing it back in the grid and you're recharging power and then at night it's coming back, you know, mm-hmm. maybe there's a community, you know, grid of some sort. It, There will be, this is going to happen. Yeah. You're not going to push this back. I, I guess my biggest concern with EVs and, and zero emissions cars and, and even hybrids is the batteries and the lithium and the nickel and the cobalt and all these different things we're putting in these things. For lack of a better phrase, the, the byproduct yes. of that. Yeah, I think that's the biggest, you know, we're, we're taking the pollution that was coming out of the tailpipe and we're basically moving it to somewhere else. That's all we ever do. We're moving the carbon somewhere else. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You're centralizing the production of it and then you're also all And that's of... not all bad because you can no. control the pollution. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, we talked about scrubbers. It was always like, oh, just put more scrubbers. You know, as a kid, I think there was a game we played on the, the Apple IIe. You know, it was like make a factory and you had to like add scrubbers on there, but it had to, you know, keep efficiency and all that stuff. You know, people are working on this stuff. But it would be better to know that the, the electric plant is actually knocking that stuff out 100 miles away than worrying about every guy with a car, you know, that's like belching out whatever exactly. down the road in Los Angeles. So I think the best thing to do ever would, I mean, Don lives out in San Diego. I would love to have, you know, talk to him and say, you know, as a kid, as somebody who grew up in Los Angeles, San Diego area, mm-hmm. is it better now, even with more people and more cars? Is the pollution better? Is is this policy, is it working? One would think. Or is it just, is it just speak? I don't know. Yeah. We don't know because we live in central Illinois and this is where people like roll coal and cut their catalytic converters and off. We don't care. Yeah. Yeah. There's no inspections. Yeah. There's no, yeah. Who cares? Anyway, that's my soapbox moment for the day. So thanks for bringing me into the soapbox, Daryl. Appreciate you, that. Happy. Can we get a theme song for that? We do. <laughs> Rub a dub dub. I don't know. We're going to write some theme songs. We need like an R&D team. Yes. We need I a almost theme. did some Fiverr. I was, I was, when we, <laughs> I was in Memphis. I was just about ready to spend like $95 on a Fiverr theme song. You should. Yeah. I think I'm going to do it. All right. Yeah. I, I probably should get your input before I do that. Say, hey, by the way, this is what we're doing now, Daryl. Here's what we're doing. Any any yeah. issues with that? Yeah, I hope no. not because I've already paid. For already it. signed a contract. <laughs> Barry <laughs> Barry Manilow is going to record our theme song. Oh, I'd pay ninety five dollars for that. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Daybreak. <laughs> In, oh wait, that's already taken. He couldn't do that. This isn't daybreak. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't afford that. <laughs> All right, so we got some local news here coming up, and uh, I feel like we had. Local news on the last one, it was talking about two-way streets. Yes, and this is downtown Peoria again. This this alludes to the little Chicago analogy from the intro. It sure does. Well, Peoria, Illinois, 
good old River City, central heart of Illinois here. Uh, Peoria, Illinois might ask state legislators to allow red light camera installations. This is as seen on WCBU, Peoria Public Radio, by Tim Sheely. He is the... Uh, is it Sheely or Shelley? Shelley. Uh, maybe it's Shelley. Shelley. Anyways. I think it says Tim Shelley when you listen to the podcast. Sounds sounds better. Uh, the Peoria City Council may ask lawmakers to allow the cameras, automated cameras monitoring intersections for motorists running red lights are currently allowed only under state law in eight Illinois counties, all in the Chicago and St. Louis metro areas. Well, motorists caught running a red light by a camera can be issued a ticket. Uh, duh. Uh, Peoria City Manager Patrick Urich said some Peoria City Council members are concerned about traffic safety. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they want the county and its <laughs> municipalities added to the list of those communities. It's, quote, to try and curtail some of the illegal behavior. And with being nearly 22 police officers short, it's difficult for us to focus on traffic enforcement, said Urich. So the city is going to install 16, well, they already did, 16 automatic license plate readers earlier this year. There's a law enforcement tool, a grant from the uh, Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. Could fund the purchase of 150 more. But those aren't issued, uh, used to issue traffic citations. What do these things do? I think that's to check people like 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 warrants or oh wow it's to do a little bit of fishing and actually I called the police before they launched that told everybody about that pilot program because I had a guy in an Impala running around my neighborhood with the the readers on the car and I knew what they were and I called them like is this the repo guy is this some you know are they looking for escaped convicts like what's going on and they're like it's license plate readers don't worry about it we're testing them out. Okay, cool. It happened to me at O'Hare. I parked in the uh, long-term parking at O'Hare, uh-huh. and they I, they sent me a ticket for uh, expired plates. Seriously? Yes. Yes. Woof. Yeah. Woof. Okay, so back to our story at hand. Yorick said red light cameras would generate revenue. The city's primary concern, though, is cracking down on traffic violations. So uh, as this goes on, if approved... Uh, the request is going to allow red light camera installation in Peoria County to be added to the city's 2023 legislative wish list. And I put some notes on here, Eric. Wish list. Their wish list. Yeah. Dear Sandy Claus, what's what's your initial thoughts on that? Whenever somebody talks about adding red light cameras to a community, because Peoria isn't the only one. It comes up every so often in kind of no, mid-sized. Cash, I have a problem with the cash grab. I mean, this is ultimately, mm-hmm. that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's dangerous behavior, then step up enforcement in the area, you know. Yeah. Uh, North Pekin, which I dread driving too fast to that area, uh, you know you don't speed through there because guess what? They enforce the area. I put my speed, I put my cruise control on every yeah. time I go through that area. Yeah, and so it, it's, you know, that's what they do. Now, is it a cash grab for them as well? Probably. And I, and honestly, in all my years, my my 30 years at Forts, mm-hmm. that camera right there, Route 29 and Main Street, North Pekin, that probably could use a red light camera. I've heard more screeching tires and slamming and, and crashing of cars yeah. in all my years because people run that red light all the time just smashing his stuff. So is there a time and a place? Maybe. But I, I have a general problem with robots doing jobs because they're so efficient. And when you can dial down their algorithms, I mean, we talked about this in like two or three episode, mm-hmm. episodes ago where Chicago was going to change the speed from seven miles an hour over to six and a half or whatever and they knew that was going to generate 15 million more dollars oh yeah 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 and i'm like that's twisted and sick in some ways because here's my other problem with it it really takes from the people i mean the problem with gas taxes and and parking fines and and speeding tickets everybody i mean my 16 year old kid who makes 16 dollars an hour 
is going to pay the same fine as somebody you know who's a millionaire driving you know, 100 miles an hour down the road. Yeah, it's not equitable. You know, it's unfair to people who make less money. That's yep. why I have a, a real problem with a lot of parking fines and stuff like that. Yeah, and it seems to hit the same group of people. It it's, does. <laughs> yeah, you're always beating down on the people who can least afford it. Yeah, when yeah. you go to traffic court, it's usually not you know the banker with the Porsche 911 Turbo. No, it's, you know what I mean. So, no, I'm I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. And the thing that that I keep picking up on since I've moved to this area, and it's by the way, this is like this in a lot of cities. But we cut essential services to the bone. Mm-hmm. We cut essential services. Then we complain that nobody's enforcing the laws. You just heard the city manager say the issue is we're twenty two police officers short. Here's the solution: it's some software. And oh, by the way, it's going to be an annual contract. And it's going to be paying some third-party vendor from somewhere far away, mm-hmm. most likely. Uh, they don't really, <laughs> they don't really care. It's yeah. a contract to them. Yeah. And guess what? If Peoria or Punxsutawney or Albuquerque decides to not renew, they'll have some other place. Maybe um, Lawrence, Kansas needs some red light cameras next year, and they'll go focus on that. Yeah. It's just a job. It's just a number. It's an account to somebody. Yeah. The real issue: we're twenty-two police officers short. Find a way to put two or three back in the service. Yeah. Hire people. Well, and the other thing we talked about last episode that I was here, people, they're trying to figure out ways to get people back to downtown. Yes. If I know that there's red light cameras in downtown, guess what? There's one more reason in, in the bevy of reasons for me not to drive through downtown. Right. Yeah. So Same I, thing could be said in Chicago. I know there's people that, it's again, red light cameras were, were such a miserable failure yeah. there. And people are just like, yeah, between that, plus the parking, plus the panhandling, plus, I'm just not going to go. Why go downtown? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. a death, it's it's another nail in the coffin. Dude, I was at an uh, intersection of the other day. I was coming to a stop in an intersection. I was down in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And a light flashed from, and... and all I could think was they fly. They, somehow I triggered something, I'm, and so now I have anxiety. You're gonna get a yeah. Ticket in the mail. I'm like, I didn't even do anything, but now I saw a light flash. Somebody got a ticket in that intersection. We don't know who it was. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things. Like, why do I have to be stressed out by this? Because the robots are watching. Do you remember <laughs> we talked about Stallone in the pre-show? I'm gonna bring him up again. Yeah. Remember the movie Demolition Man? Yeah. Do you remember where Wesley Snipes and West, thing? Yes. Yes. Where Wesley Snipes' character is, he starts cursing. And it's like the fine is fifteen credits for cursing, and it it flashes. Well, that, I mean, dude, this is the Chinese social credit thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It predicted a lot of that stuff, but it's like he, it just keeps flashing, taking a picture of him, and send him, give him a ticket right there, yeah. and he winds up like cursing the thing out, and then yeah. I think he punches it or something. But yeah. That's where we're at, folks. We've yeah. got robots. You know, Wesley Snipes was onto something. We didn't pay his taxes. <laughs> <laughs> You know who's a great tax evader? <laughs> Wesley Snipes. Snipes. Absolutely. Great actor. A great man. You ready for this? Let's, uh, Let's oh gosh. Cue it up. What button is it? Is it button seven? Is it eight? Is it nine? Is it the green one or the blue one, Daryl? Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, it, w- <laughs> it would be nice if I... <laughs> He's got to go to the menu. I, I got to totally flustered. No joke. No joke. Oh, here it actually says what it is. There we go. I think it. I think it is that time, my friend. All right. It's time for your moment of mud. All right, and this mo- <laughs> thank you, Gabe, for that fine intro. 
Uh, Elon Musk tells Tesla owners, don't complain about a buggy driving system. This is by Craig Trudeau Bloomberg. Elon Musk doesn't want to hear complaints about consumers trying their driver's assistant program on his Tesla. He plans to start charging $15,000 for this program in the next couple weeks. The chief executive officer scolded a Tesla owner who posted videos on Twitter on Tuesday showing a new beta version of the system marked as a full self-driving system at times, struggle with right turns and other basic tasks. A customer wrote that he spent more than $32,000 paying for this system multiple times. And Elon's response on Twitter, because that's the best place to talk to your customers, 10.69 is a limited release for a reason. Please do not ask to be included in early beta versions and then complain. Musk announced over the weekend that Tesla will start charging $3,000 more for self-driving, which will require active supervision and doesn't make the company's vehicles truly autonomous. California Department Motor Vehicles has accused Tesla of misleading consumers about this technology, and the U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is investigating whether the automaker's autopilot system is defective. And that is your moment of Musk. Bump. Wow. How about that one? Did I get that in a minute? Did I do that in a minute or was that two minutes? A minute and a half. Wow, that's pretty strong work. Do you fly? Fly <laughs> through that. <laughs> well, so now I... I mean, I get where Elon's coming from, because honestly, if, if you're on a beta version, mm-hmm. you know, you should never complain. But if it's your car driving itself, I think you might have a right. You're saying the level, the stakes are a little higher. Yeah, I mean, when I when I had when I had Winamp and I was using the beta version of Winamp, <laughs> and it was a little buggy, you know, it's not quite getting the picture of the song, you right. know, of the album cover. My Benfold's 5 skin isn't working on this Winamp <laughs> exactly. player. Yeah. yeah, versus my car is heading towards a tree. A little did <laughs> yes. the stakes are different. Yeah, so the beta, for, I just don't even know how beta can be released on the road. No, you know? no, we'll fix it in production. That's oh. 10.69. I was talking to Regan about this today. I, I even wonder now, going future, mm-hmm. in the future, should we even have model years of cars? You know, mm-hmm. an iPhone doesn't have a year. It has a model number. Right, yeah, good point. And, and so the whole thing is backed up by a software version. Yeah. So going forward, would a Tesla S just be version three and S version three. And then whatever software is in there is the car. I imagine the federal government would have a problem with that because they're going to want to put a year on everything. But, yeah. but does a year really denote the car and the technology inside? N- not really. I, I would think of the, the only reason it's there is to identify something for ownership or registration purposes or tax purposes. Old school, Daryl. That's I, just old school thinking. Let's, let's, let's move ahead. Oh, cool. Sweet. What year car is this? I don't know. Hit no, the it's, about, it's, it's a version 10.69. Go in the settings, hit about. Exactly. About car. I don't even know what year my iPhone was made. I just know that I have to go to the <laughs> setting and I can tell you. And I can also tell you. Apple sends me a nasty message in about three years saying, by the way, we're not going to support this version of software on your phone anymore. End of life agreement. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. I didn't think yeah. about that. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting about this article is now, is there somebody in a video vault somewhere watching the activities of your car because it's not truly autonomous? Like just some poor schlub in a yeah. data, data center yes. somewhere being like, oh, yeah. uh, Kevin's not doing so hot. Yeah. yeah. By the way, this car just swerved a little bit. So now we're <laughs> going to put you on the camera. Maybe it's like a, you remember uh, like the remote pilots that were flying drones over uh, in like Afghanistan and stuff? It was like a bunker, like some Air Force base in Colorado where it was just like 200 chairs and basically guys just like flying them. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm wondering if that's how it's going to be in the future with autonomous stuff. Yeah. Makes you wonder, I mean, if somebody can take over manually, which I kind of like that idea, but at the same time, like... 
how many cars will one guy be responsible for? Because you know how this works, Daryl. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to set up a bank. We're going to have this whole QC set right. up. And next thing you know, right. eh, it's going to be some budget cuts. And maybe, you know what, why don't you pick up an extra car? And you know what, uh, we're no one overtime, guys. So we're going to really need you to watch as many cars as you can during your shift. Next thing you know, disaster. Uh, Trudy's got PTO the next week. Yeah. So you're going to have to go ahead and cover like 20 shifts. Yeah. 20 cars in autonomous settings, just keep it, you know, be fine. Just when something starts beeping, just handle yeah. it. Yeah. You ever go to, <laughs> you ever go to like a really bad nursing home? And, <laughs> yeah, I've been to a couple, yeah. Well, it's kind of like, I think the monitoring there works, where you, you have a central station, nobody's in the chair, there's 20 monitors and a five alarm fire, and yeah. everything's beeping. It sounds like fryers at Arby's, yeah. just beep, 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 because somebody's fallen and, and there ain't nobody there. Yeah, and you just hear screaming, the people down the hallway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly how the future is going to be. <laughs> we just described the future. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Idiocracy, but with a touch of madness. All right. This, this Wait, is, that is madness. Dude, right. this is the most depressing show we've no, ever done. No, uh, no. We're working on the high watermark. I, I think, I, you know. <laughs> when do we reach it? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't want to be dystopian <laughs> about the whole thing, but I think, I mean, and I'm a realist, but I love technology. I love the future. Yeah, right. I do. No, I know. You like technology. I, I do, but uh, I just think sometimes we, uh, I think we overthink things. Is that what it is? Maybe we expect too much. I think my wife or somebody close to me once said, you're not a pessimist. You're just a frustrated idealist. Maybe. That's what it is. You want everything to be nice, everyone to be taken care of. You want to have everyone have the same nice quality of life. Mm, Maybe you do. I don't know about that. What, you want someone to be homeless? No, I don't want that. But uh, we're talking about, first off, we're talking about somebody driving a Tesla. So they're far from homeless, okay? That's true. So let's not drag the homeless into this conversation. I'm just saying, you you want the best for most people. I do, but I also understand, I understand bleeding edge. Don't you understand bleeding edge? Yeah. So the guy who paid like way too much for a computer, uh, that doesn't do, you know, everything he thinks is going to do the same thing with a guy who buys a refrigerator. That's got like a giant monitor on it. That's supposed to order (laughs) milk when it's low. I mean, when the stuff doesn't work, you're like, ha ha, you bought something, you know, that's bleeding edge. And so if you buy a Tesla and you have the auto system in it and your version 10.69 on the beta, and it's not working right, haha, <laughs> you're bleeding edge. I think that's just the way of the world in some ways. The problem I have is, what's the expectation for something that's on the road and could kill me? That refrigerator, because I didn't get milk, isn't going to kill me, likely. No, it's a minor inconvenience. Yes, yeah, exactly. Unless now, you drink that milk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> unless it sours. It's and, expired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, that's not going to kill you. But version 10.69, it doesn't turn right because somebody's door's open and they're standing by the door and it rips somebody's legs off. I mean... That's a whole different thing. So I guess I don't understand what the the, the reality, or the, the culpability of these companies is right. when they put stuff on the road like this. And from a legal standpoint, who made that decision to yeah. not swerve to hit this busload and, of And what children? are we willing to allow for for the success of new technology? Do you want to give up that control of your own car? And I mean, we put destiny? guys on rockets that blew up and died. I mean, we, there was an acceptable amount of loss for new technology. Right? I, yeah, uh, I, guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess. We're not going back to the horse and buggy, folks. Okay, no, we're only going forward, kind of, maybe. Forward. Maybe into the future. If you're lucky. Flaming into a tree. You know what? You have such a fun story in grinding of the gears. I think we should just move right along. <laughs> just move it? Let's lighten this sucker uh, up. Yeah, well, this really isn't going to lighten it up. But I, I do want to point this out. Uh, and a lot of people in the car communities... Uh, in the last couple of weeks have, have pointed this and shared this. It's become memes. It's it's all over the place. But you all know 
Mostly do. Fiat Chrysler announced they're going to be killing the Charger and the Challenger, two long-running staples in their lineup. The uh, the muscle cars, and you know while that stinks, you know there's not going to be a rear-wheel drive V8 uh, American muscle car with an iconic name from our past. They're going to go away. Well, what's even worse than that announcement is they actually timed it like days later with the announcement of the EV Charger Daytona concept. <laughs> That's right. You've probably seen those well, videos. It, pro- it softens the blow, right? It you're, does. You're losing your favorite car, but we're bringing it back. Right, right. <laughs> just, just not how you remember it. Yeah. We're, we're getting rid of the uh, Nachos Bel Grande, but we'll replace it with the Nachos Supremo, or I don't know. I mean, it's just stupid. So everybody that saw the videos of those... <laughs> no, with with uh, whatever the meat's up. Fake meat, yeah. Fake meat. <laughs> what do you call it? Impossible. The impossible... <laughs> Yeah. Oh Mem- remember it with meat? You're going to love it without meat. Yeah, right. It's protein now. Protein. Protein. Anyways, so this thing came out and uh, it made the rounds as well. The Dodge CEO, guy who's been at the helm since 2015, even though we never heard of him, Mm-mm. Tim Kaniskis, talks about what a great, great advance they've made with this vehicle. And they talk about the exhaust note. And I just, I remember seeing this and watching this video of this press release from Dodge's media room. We literally patented the first ever BEV exhaust Literally. System. This is a system where we literally have- Literally. literally. In chambers and an exhaust outlet. And when it comes out tonight and you hear this thing roaring, Oof. go and touch it. Go put your hand by the tailpipe and feel the sound coming out of it. The industry has invested- That was it. it. It's like a key Wow. So I heard that and immediately after after passing out and coming to realizing that this really is going to happen, this is reality, not some warped fever dream from Werner Herzog's films. Um, I actually remembered... Alligator people. The 1986 Charlie Sheen movie called The Wraith. Yes. You remember that bad one? classic, man. Randy Quaid, Sherilyn Fenn. There's other some cheap guy who looks like Lorenzo Lamas but isn't. So that movie, if you remember the premise, it was some dude who like dies and he comes back and he's like, there's this yeah, alien right, space right. car. Yeah, yeah, right. None of it makes sense. But the bottom line is <laughs> there was a Chrysler that was used in that. It was an old pace car and it was a really kind of futuristic design. And I think it was a PPG pace car. And it was called the M4S Interceptor. And it looked like something from the future. Really cool, really impressive and mysterious, right? Well, I'll bet we could find this car. Probably could. It's probably like in a warehouse in West Hollywood. But that thing had, in that movie, made kind of a similar f- weird, whirring, electronic-y noise. And I actually have a little clip on that. So I think this is where they stole that that idea from. It sounds just like it. Right. It sounds just like it. It's probably some synthesizer or something. Yeah. But I just... Uh, it literally sounds just like it. Literally. Literally. <laughs> total ripoff. Total ripoff of something that really wasn't theirs. And, oh, I guess it kind of was. And there wasn't even... At least the Wraith had uh, Ron Howard's goofy-looking younger yeah, brother, Clint the, Howard, yeah, in it. Yeah, the guy who lost more hair than his brother. <laughs> he did. He's in every Ron Howard movie. Yes. Uh, but I just want to say... That would have made this press release much better, but instead we just got the CEO who's like, yeah, we spent all this money on a fake exhaust system. Literally. Literally literally (laughs) the coolest. It's awesome. And I say that to say this, Eric, the future sucks and the present is getting worse by the day. The problem was that this whole Challenger thing was they they rolled it out like, hey, we're we're canceling the car. You know, I know everybody loves it. By the way, every squad car you pass on the highway is one of these things. (laughs) And And then like a day later, oh, we're coming back out with it, but it's an EV. And I, I just, I don't understand. Just like the Mustang, I, I still think the Mustang was a mistake. The, the Maki, I, I just, yeah. 
call it something else, man. I, I guarantee you Chrysler has a ton of cars they could pull out uh, of titles that they you know, they still own trademarks and copyrights on. Yeah. Just yeah. pull something else out, right? Call it, you know, Ford's got the Lightning. They they had a concept car years ago called Thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. There you go. Thunderbolt Lightning. Man, that'd be awesome. Done. Where's our check? Very, very frightening. We're <laughs> Galileo. <laughs> you know, we should actually be uh, marketing geniuses. We'd be yeah, so rich. Yeah, we would, we, we have would. all the answers. That's why people listen. I, you know, I swear one time on my old beer podcast that somebody from PAP stole one of our ideas on the show. Think I should so? have gotten a check from them. Yes, absolutely. I think I've heard this story. Yeah, it's a true story. You too. would have been a retired millionaire. I doubt it. Actually, Snoop Dogg's, it was a Snoop Dogg thing and it didn't work out. <laughs> so, yeah. a, that's a pre-show. Maybe it's a post-show story. We'll, we maybe should, we'll do a post-show tonight. We should do a post-show. Yeah. All right. So uh, we've gotten to this point in the uh, in the podcast, Eric. Oh, yes. Where it's kind of, dare I say, it's our favorite segment. Yeah. We're, mm. there we go. You know, I don't know what you do in your spare time, Daryl, but I know what I do. Even when my daughter's stuck in the room with me, I'm still perusing... Facebook Marketplace. You know the best thing you can do, Daryl? <laughs> you can that? spend time out of town and then change your circle of cars and, and all kinds of search. You know, if I'm in Memphis, there's a whole different crew of cars and different people that I don't even know selling cars. That's even cooler, really, because now I get to see some serious weirdness. Cars in the South last so much longer. They, so, they really do. Yeah, so what do I do? I mentally purchase. I mentally purchased a 91 MR2 this week, and I thought about it, and I was like, man, you know what? Floor pans are solid on this car. I'm going to rock and roll. But it overheated mentally in my mind north of St. Louis in Litchfield. <laughs> so I decided myself, I'm not going to buy it. And that's how Cars of the Week works. Daryl probably thought of some cars this week, and I guarantee he's got a dream car, but he didn't buy it for some reason, and that's the same thing I did. But I did find a car that if I could buy it, yeah. I would, and I want to share this one with you, Daryl. This is a treat. This is a treat. Yeah. So there was a, a meme. It wasn't even a meme. It was a post that was going around on uh, Facebook on an off-road group. It was a it was a, a Suzuki Jimny group in the United States, and they were doing some mountain passes. And I, I don't know if you saw the picture. I, I shared it on Trail Team, but uh, they had Photoshopped all the owners of the Jimneys, like at a larger scale. They were all, like, sitting outside their vehicles and standing next to their vehicles. So they look gigantic. It almost looked like the vehicles were one fiftieth scale or something like that. I'm like, okay, something doesn't seem right. And so I shared it, and then we all realized it was photoshopped. But in the meantime, I'm looking up these Jimneys, and I'm like, I don't know anything about a Suzuki Jimny. So I started looking these up. Holy smokes, man! These are pretty, pretty cool cars. I think a lot of them are primarily front wheel drive with a rear wheel. They're like a three wheel drive type vehicle. I don't know how it works. Yeah, they're weird. And for for the American, the North American folks, we saw these vehicles as a Suzuki Samurai yeah. for a small period of time. This the the first gen ones that we saw here were the, the smaller than a Jeep, mm-hmm. and most of them. I don't know if we got were they were they all convertibles or were they the fixed tops? Soft like tops. I think most of them were soft yeah. tops. In the United States. Yeah, but we didn't see as many of them as they're they're seemingly popping up. There's one of these actually made its way to Cars and Coffee last month. Really, it was a recent import, and I'm like. It was dirt cheap. He's like, I was too cheap. To Dude, this car, this car is so cheap. So right. I found, so in, in my mind, and you know how I am very utilitarian when it comes to these four-wheel drive vehicles, there were all kinds, there were some, some that were super lifted to the moon, uh, but they're super ridiculously small. In, in scale to a Tacoma, it's literally half, half the length of a Tacoma. It's almost the size of like a Abarth, you know, a Fiat 500, but it's a, it's a four-wheel drive vehicle, a little SUV. And I found one in a utilitarian khaki color with a hard top with white steel wheels and a manual transmission. And on cars from Japan, I can get it imported to the United States for $4,500. Total out of pocket. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a manual transmission. Uh, it's four-wheel drive. And you know what? It's nothing special looking. But man, if I didn't have Little Mule... You'd be looking at something like this? Dude, I'm telling you what. Yeah. I love the idea of this thing, just kind of trucking around, just doing stuff. Yeah. The problem with the hardtop is, I mean, realistically, you can't do a lot of utility work with it. You can put a little roof rack on it, probably. Yeah. I'm not going to drive it out to Colorado. So in my mind, I knew it was a perfect car for me. In reality, I knew that Little Mule still kicks the crap out of this little guy. So you know I, di- I didn't buy it, Daryl. I'll tell you what. For that money, that's a bargain. Yeah. That's a bargain. Just to have something, like you're saying, bang around town, yeah. take something uh, off-road. Just Dude, this a l- got Gabe written all over it. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> we're going to start looking for these now. Uh, tiny little, what is it? Engine capacity, 550cc. I remember these being super tiny. Um my uncle actually bought one, the the Samurai version. He bought one of those really cheap in Chicago and drove it out to his timeshare out in Vail. And uh, it sat out there. I want to say he had that out there 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he finally sold it and got a forerunner. But uh, it was the perfect thing for him out there. They'd yeah. fly out. They got a little thing to buzz around in. It was dirt cheap, yeah. reliable as heck. And a lot of people here in the States don't remember, Suzuki actually had a decent footprint in this market for about 25 years, and then they just kind of like went away. But they, they just never got a grip on sh- small cars. And uh, it was funny, because I, I always thought they actually make pretty decent cars, and yeah. most of their stuff sticks around for a long, long time. But you know, once you lose support from a, a, a dealer base, you know, no matter how good your cars are and you can't get service for them, they're going to disappear. John Beers had a Suzuki dealership That was the last one in this area, yeah. Yeah. When we first moved here, it was there, and I remember there was a couple small trucks, and they even had like the, uh, I don't know, like the little almost mini truck. You see a lot of farm guys running around in them, um, but they're very utilitarian. They are cool-looking cars, and I, I think this little thing with the, the khaki color, the steely rims. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's I mean, cool. honestly, I mean, for $4,500. Man, what else can you buy for that? Nothing, nothing. It's stupid cool for that kind of money. And this wasn't the only one. On cars from Japan, there were a lot of these. And like I said, they ran the gambit in price. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick out the cheapest one. I picked out the one that I thought, to me, was the coolest one. Aesthetically. Yeah. I mean, this is like, if, if Hemingway had a Jimny, this would be the one he'd have. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like it's like a Land Rover got stuck in a shrink ray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we when we were out uh, cruising the, the uh, tobacco fields down in, in, in the Yucatan, uh, it, you know, it was, it was a Range Rover, or Land Rover, but man, this is almost the equivalent to what that Land Rover Cool was. They made one with a turbo too. Did they? They had a little turbo. The one that uh, don't even care. I mean, honestly, I get yeah, that. I, yeah. But it's just like me and Little Mule. I, if I'm in low gear and I'm just putzing around the, the pasture, put putzing around the plantation, mm-hmm. this is all I want. You could use it to plow your drive. Yes. You could, oh, put a plow on the front. Never yeah. thought about that. Yes. I'm gonna. St- okay. I probably can't <laughs> even fit in these things. I've never actually been in one. Uh, but I'm going to look. And Big guy, small they, cars, you're all about it. I can I, feel it. I do. Well, uh, excellent choice. Highly commend that. Yeah, and it was out on left field. I really drug this one out of nowhere. Right, well, fly out to Baltimore at the port and go pick it up. And can I celebrate your selection this week? I mean, sure. honestly, you are 40 years out of your, your comfort zone on this one, so congratulations. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a very interesting choice. Uh, I ended up in a, in a Facebook group for... Uh, 70s GM cars. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. And every once in a while, some will pop up for sale. Most of them, to be honest, usually kind of rough or they're uh, parts or something like that. This showed up the other day, and it was just a guy who was like, hey, I've had this for 10 years. I'm over it. I'm going to buy something new. And it's a 1979 Buick Park Avenue 
limited coupe. And if anybody remembers that year, that that era of Park Avenues, it's on the same chassis as like the old 98 Regency and the Cadillacs and stuff of that year. Big long wheelbase, you know, big 403 V8 automatic. <laughs> this is silver with the giant road wheels, the Buick kind of rallies of that time period. Silver vinyl top, half vinyl Landau roof. Landau, baby. Oof. And like this crushed. Not Martin roof. Landau. No, 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 it would not look as good. Uh, and and uh, beautiful, like a crushed velour silver. It's silver on silver on sil- silver. Gorgeous car. I like silver because it's understated, but these really have some lines to them. And I, I, it's just a gorgeous full-size GM car at that time period. I love the paint on this thing. I, there's just something about it because it's a nighttime photo. It's a silver car. Mm. just has this glossy look to it. Uh, this is a great-looking car. And, it is. And, and I and this it is. is and this is in my wheelhouse from when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Part of me loved those old Caprices and those big body GMs. Oh yeah. But there's something about this this Buick that has just some really nice lines to it. Yeah, they had a very nice front end, kind of a, a coffin, like a coffin nose. They call it uh, like a cord, L29 cord. Uh, the Imperials had something like that for a little bit. It's got these beautiful fenders in the back that come out, and they're it's a beautiful car. And around here in the Midwest. They were great running cars. They held up, but eventually they rusted out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mechanically, nothing to worry about Where's there. Where's this guy at? Um, this guy was actually out in New York, I believe. And uh, gorgeous car. He wants twelve grand, twelve grand for the car. I don't think he's out of line on this car at, at I, all. I don't either, because you're you're not going to find these in. Dude, look at the upholstery. Look at that front seat. Yeah, that thing should be broke down and destroyed. And I I just can't believe it's. Yeah. It's that nice? No, I can't honestly. Little flip down armrests, like a like you're in a that my little brother, who's ten years younger than me, would have been sitting on, you know, with no <laughs> seatbelt. Yeah, I mean, he's got a cut on his face from when he, or, on our Chrysler New Yorker. My dad hit the brakes one time, and he got his lip stuck on the ashtray. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, kids today they don't know what it was. Like. No, they have no idea. Yeah. He got his lip cut. On oh the yeah, he's got a scar. He's got a scar from where. Yeah, he had to go to the doctor and get stitches. I think because. Yeah, my dad hit the brakes. My my brother used to sit on those armrests in the front on the New Yorker. Yeah. And uh, dad well, hit the brakes. And, of course, the ashtray, when it came out, it's probably as big as a Bible. I mean, that thing came out, you know. <laughs> and, it's like an encyclopedia. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about the one they you find the hotel. I mean, this is, I mean, a big deal. And this, like, yeah, got his face stuck on it and, and then fell to the floor. Poor kid. Yeah. yeah but that, that's, I remember driving back from Florida, you know, that center armrest. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an armrest. It was a child seat. It was a, it was exactly it was a booster seat <laughs> before there were laws. <laughs> I, I tell you what though, it's it's a totally different driving experience, and it I love the feel of sports cars. I love the feel of something where you feel the road and it's enjoyable to drive. Yeah, something like this, people are like oh, it's a big you know numbing thing. There's no feel. There's no nothing. It's not true. When you ride in something like this, or an old Cadillac, or an Imperial, or a New Yorker, or something like you know Crown Vic, there's something about the engineering that it took to insulate and isolate the road from the driver. And it's like you get that today in yeah, like a think Lexus. Of, think about that, though. I mean, why did they have that much space? They really felt like it was a practical – people wanted that much space in their car, right? They did. It was like a living room. Yeah. You're going to sit in there for hours on end. You want to be comfortable. And you didn't have all of the – you know side impact standards and side airbags where you got giant pillars and huge blind spots. It was, mm-hmm. no, you're going to sit in this thing. for. Are you going to go to Florida? Here's some air conditioning. Here's a comfy seat. Oh, here's an eight-track player and yeah. uh, have fun. And I'll tell you what, if you take a trip in something like this, you get out of the car after two hours, you're not beat up. Well, you you're got a sweaty tired. back probably, but you, know. you do have a sweaty back. <laughs> 
but you're not tired, you're not beat up. Yeah. Whereas if you get out of a, you know, dare I say a, a, a Suzuki Jimny, <laughs> you're gonna be bounced around like you're a page shaker at Lowe's, dude. I lo- yeah, I love that. I mean, honestly, I mean, I think the Jimny uh, fits in the space between the back of the driver's door all the way to the uh, bumper. <laughs> probably could. You could probably get one of those like hitches they used for like hover around scooters. And yes. Just put your Jimny on there. Yes, exactly. Just take it with you. No, but I, I just love you know when you see these big cars like this. I remember as a kid watching them kind of launch and watch the whole like front end like torque and mm-hmm. like turn as as that car. As the car gave it gas, there was a lift and a twist. Yes. Yes. It's so much fun to watch these big cars. Especially when you see them round a curve. Yeah. That was always fun, too. Uh, Because you see, it's almost like you're in a a ship. You're in a a carnival cruise ship, and the whole thing is listing to one side. Yes, exactly. Hilarious. Do you think these uh, air vents on the side, I mean, is that that factory? Yeah. As a Buick, I thought maybe that was a factory option. They're faux, right? Yeah, they're faux. Uh, And they they always kind of were. It was a... this being a Park Avenue, you got four what they used to call portholes, like a ship, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. Um, and then three were if you had a lower model, like a LeSabre or a Special, a Super. Uh, the Park Avenue, Electra, Roadmaster, Century, those are the bigger ones. So, yeah, nerd stuff, but for twelve grand, I would love, if I was going to go take a cross-country road trip, yeah. I'd want it in something. Or you get three chimneys, just saying. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> buy, buy one, get one. <laughs> It's not a Kia Rio. It's a Jimny. Right. Yeah, they're all that carved. That was thing. Somebody forgot all about that. I was talking to somebody a couple of years ago yeah. uh, when they when they were doing the- uh, uh, The Extreme Motors. It was given away. Oh, you, know, you buy a Sedona and you get a Rio for you, free? You buy the minivan, you got a Rio. Yeah. And With no AC. Uh, at the equivalent, oh, that was like 1997, 1998, somewhere yeah. in there. And that Kia Rio was like a car that was seventy nine ninety five or sixty nine ninety five. Was it the Sophia? Was it that old? No, it was old. It was a Rio. I'm pretty sure was it was it? a Rio. Oh, no, the Rio, the Rio is a two door car, isn't it? I thought the or is Rio. Rio was... No, you're right. Sophia is the little like the, the Yaris when they were trying to get into the market. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. I just the... I remember Sarah's aunt did that. Yeah. She 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 bought one, and I think that she bought the minivan. I think she gave the other one to her son. Yeah, uh, and the car, and then uh, years later he got the van too because yeah. the car like petered out. That is the thing with those Kias; it, they're neat, they're yeah. cheap, and stuff like that. But they're going to. When we do the post show, we can talk about an interesting customer I had this week with a uh, Kia, and uh, his his uh, warranty woes. It might be kind of fun. Might be an inspiration for you folks to join the Patreon. Ooh, ooh, get mm. some some mm. special content. Yeah, exactly. Hi, right, what do you think? We kill this thing, Daryl? Yeah, I think so. It's been fun being back in the saddle with you, my friend. Yeah, we didn't quite hit the high water mark six six, but you know what? If we did that every time, your expectations would be too high. All right, you can't always give them prime ribs. Sometimes you just got to give them ground beef. Yeah, I mean, well, you can make a fine meatloaf, depending <laughs> on the cut. We make a rockin' meatloaf, <laughs> absolutely, or Salisbury steak. <laughs> Folks, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode of Throwing Wrenches. Make sure you share it with all your friends and your family. Maybe just share episode sixty-six and tell them six seven's not too bad either. But uh, make sure you join in on the socials. Throwing Wrenches on Facebook is a great place to go. Daryl posts all kinds of great stuff. The TikTok. I don't even know what the hell goes on on that thing, but uh, you don't Darryl, want to know. Daryl's all about it, and uh, Instagram too. Also, uh, make sure you stop by ThrownWrenches.com. That's where you'll see all the great links to everything on this show. Again, thanks to our sponsors, Fort Toyota Pekin. And make sure if you're in Tazewell County, you're voting for Gabe Casey for district attorney. Or state's attorney. Sorry, state's attorney. He's, he's going to do an attorney of some sort. He's going to do a heck of a job. So uh, that's it for me. This is Eric Stahl. I'm Daryl Scott. We'll see you next time.
Bye.